So today we're talking about parenting, and whenever I think about parenting, it always reminds me of a story. So there was this, this uh, a child psychologist who graduated from a pre- prestigious seminary, and upon graduation, he wanted to use all of his uh, knowledge based on all the latest research, and so he wrote a book. And the book that he wrote was called Seven Keys to Raising Happy, Healthy, and Well-Behaved Children. Now, a couple years later, he had his first child. And so he, he was thinking, he had a hard time with the first one, so he went back and he revised the book and he changed the title, and he changed the title to Five Tips to Guide Parents. So he left the seven keys, now he's talking about five tips. And uh, so he changed it there, and then he had two more kids, and after the third kid, he, he saw fit to go back and revise the book and change the title, and he changed the title to Three Suggestions I Hope Will Help. So he's getting less confident there. And so uh, a a few years later, his kids were in in high school and they had a surprise uh, little baby there at that, you know, at at that time in their their marriage. And so he, of course, had a difficult time and he went back and revised the book and he changed the title to Help Me God, I'm Drowning. (laughs) And it it just reminds me of the fact that that marriage and, well, parenting is so much harder than it looks. If you're a parent here in this room, you know how hard it is. And uh, maybe this morning you were wrestling with, with kids to get into the car to go to church today, you know, and you're, you're doing this thing and, you, and you're knee deep in it. Marriage can be, or parenting can be extremely difficult. Um, I was watching this comedian, Jim Gaffigan. Anybody heard of Jim Gaffigan? And he's got four kids just like I do. And, and he, uh, he has this little uh, skit where he goes and he says, you know, people often ask me what it's like to have four children. And he says, imagine that you're drowning and somebody hands you a baby. (laughs) That's what it feels like, you know? And it's hard and so many of us struggle. And and maybe you've got teenagers or maybe adult children that are breaking your heart, you know? Uh, Maybe you've got, you know, you're you're wrestling with this thing and feeling like you're a failure at parenting. So many of us feel like that because parenting is extremely difficult. But the thing is, parenting, although it is difficult work, it is the one of the most important things you will ever do. So if you're a parent here in this room, parenting, although it's so hard, it is work, it is worth it. It is the most important job you will ever go about. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, said this. C.S. Lewis had no kids of his own, but um, he recognized the importance of parenting, and he said at one time, children are not a distraction from the most important work, They are the most important work. And so although you may be knee-deep and maybe you're struggling like all of us who are uh, parents are in various capacities, what you're doing is incredibly important. Parenting is the most important work according to C.S. Lewis. And so this morning we're going to talk about it. And I want to get into it in the book of Proverbs here. And the book of Proverbs is really... I mean, the theme of this book is parenting. Proverbs, you know, a, a main theme, probably more than we realize, is a, is a book about parenting. In fact, the whole book is rhetorically framed. If, you, if you've read the book, it's rhetorically framed as a father parenting his son. And so all the way through the book, it's a father saying, my son, listen to me, and my son, here's my wisdom. The book is rhetorically framed as a father parenting his child. And in the book, he gives his child, his adult child, wisdom about parenting. And so we're going we're gonna to look at it today here, and specifically we're going to look at uh, chapter 22, verse 6. 
Uh, before we get into it, let me give you a couple caveats. Number one, I recognize that I am not the expert. There are many of you in this room who are older than I am that probably have more wisdom and can get up on the stage and speak about parenting from your perspective and do a really good job. So, uh, you know, I know sometimes it feels like a one-size-fits-all sort of, I'm a talking head uh, from the front. You know, children are all so different. And parents are also different. And so I want to recognize that I don't have all the answers, and there are a lot of ways to do what I'm going to talk about well. Um, Second of all, I recognize that many of us in this room are not parents. So some of you are in high school, some of you are children, some of you have uh, uh, children that are no no longer in the home. And I, I just want to make the point that I think that what I'm going to say is going to be relevant for all of us. Because even if you don't have a child living in the home, one of the main metaphors for the church in the Bible is family. And so in the church, uh, there are spiritual grandmothers and spiritual fathers. There are spiritual aunts and spiritual uncles, and it takes a village to raise a child. And so I'm hoping that what I have to say can be applicable to all of us in this room, even if you don't have kids at home. So um, having said that, let's get into Proverbs 22. So this is, Proverbs, this is a Solomon Uh, This is his wisdom about parenting, Proverbs 22, verse 6. And I think in this verse, what Solomon does is he boils down parenting to its essence. Uh, What he's going to do, is what he does all the way through the book, is he, in a pithy little statement, in a short little phrase, he's going to boil down parenting to its most basic job. All right, so this is Proverbs 22, verse 6. Solomon says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Here's the basic job. He says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now what Paul, Solomon is saying here is he's saying, here's the most basic job of a parent. He says, you need to train up your child in the way that he or she should go. Now when he says this, what he's talking about is the spiritual and moral formation of a child. Uh, in other words, you might even say he's talking about discipleship. He's talking about discipling your child. Um, all the way through the Bible, this word way is significant. It, it, it speaks of, you know, the way of God, the way of, in the New Testament, it's another word for Christian faith, the way. And what Solomon is saying is that I want you to, I want to, I want you to train up your child morally and spiritually. I want you to introduce your, your child to Jesus and help him or her walk in his ways. This is the basic job of the parent. Now, you do a lot of things as a parent. Uh, you, you keep your child alive, right, <laughs> when they're young, right? You, you, you provide for their needs. You, you, uh, you, get, you provide uh, food and clothing and shelter. Maybe when they get old enough, you pay for their education, you, you, and you cart them around to soccer games and uh, dance recitals and all the, you do a lot of things as a parent, but what Solomon is saying is there's an essential job that you have, and you don't want to miss this. Out of all the things that you're doing, and they're all so important, I know that they are, Solomon says there is one thing that you need to do. There is one essential job that a, that a parent does, and that is training up their child in the way. And for Solomon, it would be a, tra- it would be a tragedy. If a child grows up and it has a successful business, if a child grows up and maybe makes a lot of money, but the, but the, person, the, but the child grows up and doesn't know Jesus Christ. He does, he's never been formed in the way. He's never been taught how to be a disciple. And so Solomon says, this is your main job. But the question is, how do you do this? Right? If this is our main job to form our child, you know, to, to introduce them to Jesus and help the child walk in the ways of God, I mean, how does a parent go about doing this task? How do I train up a child in the way? 
It's kind of a vague statement here. I mean, what, what does it look like for me to do, do this? Well, today I want to offer you three, four things that you can, not three, but four things that you can do to train up your child in the way. Uh, in order to be someone who's training up their child in a way, I think there are four things that you need to remember to do, and I want to give, give them to you this morning. And so here's, here's the first one. If you're going to follow Solomon's wisdom, if you're going to train up your child, the first thing I want you to know is that you need to tell your child the story. Tell them the story. Now, when you look at the book of Proverbs, this is a book of wisdom. This is universal wisdom that has universal application. Uh, whether you're a Buddhist or a Christian or an atheist, the thing about Proverbs is these are axioms that are universally true, and they're true for a person no matter what religion they are. But the thing about Proverbs is they are, they are set within a particular religion. They're set within a particular story. They're set within a context. And for, for, for Solomon, the, the person who wrote this book, he says, look, it's not that I just want you to do the right things in life or, or do, uh, you know, uh, practice the right behaviors. He says, I want you, these are all set within knowing a particular God. And so, for example, at the very beginning of Proverbs, Proverbs 1, the author says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So this is what the author says. He says, look, look here is what wisdom is. It begins with the fear of the Lord. It begins with knowing God. And you can be wise with your finances and you can be prudent and diligent and use your words well, but really, if you're gonna be a wise person, it all st starts with knowing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so this is the first job of the parent. If you're a parent, the fir your first job is to introduce your child to the Lord. You are a revealer of the Lord to your child. So in other words, you tell your child that there is a God, but not just some general God out there. This God has a name. His name is Yahweh, the Lord. And your job as a Christian parent is to introduce your child to God. And so Solomon, Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Later on, he will say, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. If you're going to trust the Lord, you need to know the Lord. And so the parent's job is first and foremost to introduce the child to God, to Yahweh, the Lord. Now, here's the thing about the way God reveals himself. God, the God of the Bible, reveals himself within a story. You know, when, when God wants to reveal himself, he doesn't give us a philosophical treatise or he doesn't give us a, a set of, uh, you know, a, a theological truths about him only. He gives us a story. He says, you want to know who I am? Let me tell you the story. And it all begins with in the beginning. And so are you, are you telling your kids the story? That's your first job as a parent. You tell them the story of the Bible. You form them with the narrative of Scripture. And you see this all the way through the Old Testament. This is what the people of Israel did. And so, for, uh, you know, the, the God always told the people of Israel, I want, I'm doing something for you here in history, and he says, I want you to tell your children and your children's children. And so, for example, in the, in the book of Exodus, you remember God rescued the people of, of Israel out of Egypt, and you remember there were, you know, hail was falling and frogs were falling and the, the sea was turning red and all that sort of stuff. And God is delivering his people out of Egypt. But before they left the border of Egypt, what does he tell Israel? He says, I want you to tell what I'm doing now to your children. Pass this story down, not only to your children, but your children's children. 
There's another place where uh, Israel crossed the Jordan River and God parted the Jordan River just like he parted the Red Sea. And when they got to the other side, he says, I want you to pile up stones on the other side. Why? He says, because when your children ask, what are these stones doing here? He says, I want you to tell them the story of who I am and what I've done. Before your children know what to do, they need to understand what story they're in. And so your, your job as a parent is to tell them the story of God. God reveals himself in the story of the world. And so are you doing this? And, and you might be saying, well, how do I do this? If this is my first job to tell them the story, I mean, how do I do it? Well, think about the, the people of Israel. One of the ways they did it was through the holidays and the feasts that they did every single year. And in our, our culture, we don't have a lot of those, but we do have Christmas and Easter, and these are great times to tell your kids the story. Help them understand who God is and what he's done. He's created the world, but the world fell away, but he came into the world, you know, the incarnation, and he rose again from the dead. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but, but kids really, they love stories. You know, what is the first thing that, a kid, that comes out of a kid's mouth? What is the first thing they learn? aside from no <laughs> and mine. It's tell me a story. My kids are always telling me that. Tell me a story, Dad, and then I'll read it to them and tell it to me again. And they memorize these stories. It's almost like their little minds are geared for story. And so are you forming them in the story of God? Are you passing this down from generation to generation? Are you introducing them to the Lord? This is the first thing Solomon tells us to do. But not only that, let me give you the second thing. So you, so you tell them the story. You want to train them up by, number one, helping them understand what story they're in. But, but second of all, he says, I want you to teach them the wisdom. So tell them the story. Second of all, teach them the wisdom. And notice here in uh, Proverbs 4, verse 10, this is the father talking to him, his son, and he's giving his son wisdom. He's passing down this wisdom. He says, hear, my son, accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. And so here's the, the father saying, look, I'm teaching you the way of wisdom that your days may be many. And then he, the father says, look, this is what my father did for me. He says, I'm giving you the wisdom that my father passed down to me. And so this is uh, Proverbs 4, verse 3. He says, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words and keep my commands and let and, and get wisdom and get insight. And so here you see this generational passing down of wisdom. And this is your second job as a parent, is to teach and instruct your children in the wisdom. Now notice I say wisdom and not just the rules, right? It is your job to teach your kids right from wrong uh, and, and to teach them the basic rules of Christian faith. But wisdom is more than rules. Wisdom is skill in regards to the realities of life. Wisdom is when somebody knows how to live life well and you're, and, 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 and you're fitting your life into the fabric of the world. Living life skillfully. And so are you teaching your, your kids how to live life skillfully? Not just the rules. I mean, you think about rules, but there are a thousand situations in life where the rules don't apply. These are gray areas, and wisdom is knowing what to do in those situation where there, where there situations where there is no script. And this is what you see all the way through the Proverbs is the, is the father is passing down this wisdom, this skill at life. And he's telling his kid about, his, his child about being diligent and not being lazy. 
And he's talking to the child about, you know, saving his money and, and, and storing it up and, and not just spending it right away. He's talking to him, you know, wisdom in marriage and wisdom in words. And, and this is what we're supposed to be passing down to our kids is this wisdom, this skill in regards to the reality of life. Tim Keller, uh, he was a professor at a seminary and one of his students was doing a doctoral um, study. And in the study, he, uh, he surveyed 6,000 young people, 6,000 teenagers. And the question he had was, what is it that, that enables parents to help their kids embrace their faith? You know, what, is it, what are the factors that contribute, that contribute to children embracing the faith of their parents? And so this, this uh, doctoral student did this study and he surveyed 6,000 kids and he was thinking, well, maybe it's like sending your kid to private school, you know, Christian school, or, or maybe it's homeschool or something like that. But what he found was really interesting. He said, most of the kids said that I embraced my parents' faith because they thought that their parents understood the world, the real world. They said, we could talk, I, I could talk to my parents. They understand the real world. And in some ways, what they're saying is that my parents are wise. My parents get it. My parents not only know the story, but they're helping me live skillfully in this world that we're all trying to navigate. Are you passing wisdom down to your children? Now, you might be saying, but Brent, here's the problem. I don't have much wisdom. I grew up in a bad home, and I've made lots of mistakes, and, you know, the wisdom train left the building, and I wasn't on it. <laughs> now, what if I don't have much wisdom? You know, in some ways, I'm unlearning all the unwisdom that my parents taught me. Not me, but maybe you're saying, you know, maybe that's kind of your situation. Then, well, this is where the church comes in, because in this room, there's collective wisdom. Right? It takes a village, and maybe you didn't have a great father, but there are spiritual fathers here in this room. Maybe you didn't have a great mother, but there are spiritual mothers here that can mentor you. And so are you opening your marriage up and opening your parenting up to receive the wisdom that comes from this family? One thing I did this week to get ready for the sermon was uh, I, I asked older seasoned parents in this room for wisdom. And I, they've all sent me wisdom, and I'm going to give you some of it right now, okay? So this is collective wisdom from this room. Uh, one of them said, give, your, give them to God. Give your kids to God, which I think is great. Somebody else said, encourage them to always be who God made them to be. Someone else says, do for them what God has done for you. I love that. Do for them what God has done for you. Somebody else said, be intentional in your parenting and be on your knees before the Lord always. And those of you who know how hard parenting is, you get uh, be on your knees always. Somebody else said, the days are long, but the time is short. The days are long, but the time is short. Your time is so short with your kids. Make the most of every minute. Um, somebody else said, uh, this was Rusty Castleman. He said I could use his name. He said, when I, when I drop the girls off at school in the mornings, I always used to tell them, have fun, learn something, and help somebody. Love that. And then the last one is, do or do not, there is no try. Uh, that was Yoda who said that. <laughs> uh, but see, what, what is this? This is wisdom that I'm getting, that I'm, that I'm bringing in from people within this congregation. And are you drawing on the collective wisdom that's out there? Are you drawing on the wisdom? Are, are, you, are you passing the wisdom on to your children? Are you helping them learn to live life skillfully? And this is something you can do with adult children. You know, we're always teaching them wisdom when they're children, but even when a child is old, I, I mean, they still need this wisdom. 
And I still call my dad and say, hey, look, I don't know what to do. Help me out here. I, get, I call my dad all the time. And, and many of you are nodding, and you know what this is like. So this is, even if you have adult children who are outside of the home, you are still passing down wisdom. And the older you get, the more wisdom you accumulate, right? I look at my, I used to look, when I was 30, I used to look at my 20-year-old self and say, that guy at 20 was such a fool. And then when I was 40, I looked at my 30-year-old self, and I was like, man, that guy at 30 was such a fool. Man, I'm so glad I'm not there uh, anymore. But you know what that means? I'm 44 now. And you're saying, oh, you really, Brent? You don't look that old, right? Come on, say that. I'm 44 now, but you know what that means? Is that means my 50-year-old self is going to look at myself now and say, that, that means I'm a fool even now, right? They're still, you know, I'm still learning, and we're all still collecting wisdom. And the older you get, the more valuable you are to young parents in this room. And young parents, are you opening your, your marriage up and your parenting up to the wisdom that's available there? It's passed down, you see. So what do we do? First of all, we tell the story. We tell them the story. We pass it down from generation to generation. We tell it an alternative story. Second of all, we pass down the wisdom from generation to generation. We pass down the collective wisdom that's in this room, that's in our families, that comes down from our parents. Uh, one of the ways you can do that, my brother does this, is he tapes up Proverbs on the wall in the front of his refrigerator. So you can, you can put that up there and have discussions with your kids about the wisdom that's here in this book from Solomon. But pass down the wisdom. Here's the third thing. Give them the correction. So we're telling them the story. We're passing down the wisdom. Thirdly, we are giving them the correction. Let me give you some Proverbs on this one. Discipline your son, for there is hope. And do not set your heart on putting him to death. Right? So there's hope, right? There's hope for your son if you discipline him or her, your child. Uh, this is Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. And then finally, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And so we're talking about discipline here, and don't get kind of hung up by the word rod there. This is, it's talking about correction. And however you do it, whether it's timeouts or consequences or whatever you're doing, make sure to correct your children. In the Bible, there are two um, words for parenting. So in Colossians, for example, it says, raise your children in the, in the uh, nurturing and admonition of the Lord. And so these are two parts of training. And the, the word nourishment, it has to do with counseling and training and listening and talking to your children, persuading them, nurturing them, helping, helping them understand what to do. Admonition is the correction. It's the discipline. It's the, as Proverbs says, the rod. It's saying, no, don't do this. Or no, that was wrong. Or you need to stop doing that there. And these are the two parts of parenting. And somebody explained it like this, that nurturing is what you do on the way to the party, right? So you say, okay, we're going to the party, look the adults in the eye and say, yes, sir, no, sir, and, and don't yell at the table and don't throw your food. This is what you do on the way to the party, nurturing. Correction is what you do on the way home from the party. Okay, son, so we told you to do this, you didn't, and so I'm going to correct you. And I think that all of us kind of lean towards one side or the other. I'll tell you that I tend to be a nurturing guy. I love teaching and instructing and nourishing and caring and listening. I'm not real good at correcting. And there are some people that are really good at correcting, but they're not great at nourishing. You've got to do both. 
If you, some of us overcorrect our parents, or our, our parents, <laughs> some of us overcorrect our kids and we're gonna discourage them or we're gonna make them wanna just stop trying, right? You're too harsh, you're always scolding them. And some of you are never doing that, you're always nurturing. We gotta have a balance here of nurture and correction. Someone put it like this way, if you overcorrect, you don't, you're not understanding that your child is a little person. They're not an animal, they're not a dog, they're not a cat or a lion that you train. But if you undercorrect, you don't understand that your child is not an adult. They still need to be told. There's still, you know, foolishness bound up in their hearts. And they need to be corrected. And so are you giving them the correction, the discipline, telling them no? I think it was, uh, it was King Henry the, uh, Edward VIII who, who came to, uh, anybody hear this quote? He came to America and he said, what surprises me most about Americans is how often their parents obey their children. <laughs> um, apparently it's different in England, but uh, you know, th- we can be that way. We want our kids to like us. We need the approval, and so we don't correct them enough, or maybe that's all that we're doing, and there's gotta be a balance there. And so are we giving them the correction? And then finally, uh, let me give you the final thing here, and that is we need to show them the love, right? So we're telling them the story, we're passing down the wisdom, we're giving them the correction and then finally show them the love. Show them the love. Proverbs 23, 26 says this, my son, give, give me your heart. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Love how he says this. He, he says, my son, give me your heart. He's not just telling his son what to do. He's saying, son, I, I want you to give me your heart. Now, who in the world would you give your heart to? You wouldn't just give your heart to just anybody. Who in the world would you open yourself up to and make yourself vulnerable with and be comfortable with all your flaws and all of your hangups? Who would you give your heart to? Only to somebody that you know loves you. Only to somebody that you know accepts you no matter what. And what, what he's saying here is that the, the, the parent is to create such an environment of acceptance and love that that child knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that mom and dad care about me. I was reading a parenting book this past week and the book said, take your child, put the child on your knee, and you look at that child until you're in awe. Until you realize that this is infinitely precious, infinitely valuable image of God. And as C.S. Lewis says, there are, there are no ordinary people. And every single one of your children is infinitely valuable. And do you value them? Do you love them? Do they know that? Do you look them in the eye? Do you tell them that you love them? They need this. This is so key. I was listening to somebody else this week, and, and he said that what's so interesting is that human beings are acceptance magnets. And we are repelled by rejection. And he says, what's so fascinating is when you, when, when you feel accepted, when you are in an environment where you feel accepted, you are more open to influence than you will ever be. And so if you want to influence your children, you need to show them love. They need to know that you love them. And sometimes it's hard to love and accept all of our kids because some of them are different than us. You know, you may, let's say you're a football guy. And you've got one son that's just this ruddy football player, and then you've got this artist, right, you know, who's sensitive. You like how I did that? You know, they're sensitive, and they, you know, <laughs> Lucas, 
You know, and maybe you've got two very, very different children, and it's very, very easy to accept one but not the other. Solomon says you need to ask for every single one of their hearts. And you need to recognize the value in every single one of those children, even though they're widely different, maybe very different than you. And notice here this verse at the very end. It says, train up the child in the way that he should go. And notice it says at the very end, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I want to hit this real quick because, you know, this is not a categorical promise. Some of us are beating ourselves up because maybe we trained up our kids and now they're adult children and they're not necessarily grabbing hold of our faith. This is an axiom. This is not a categorical promise. Every single person has volition and every single child is a person. But what this means is that they are not going to walk with God when they're old unless you've really trained them to do so. And there may be times when that child walks away. And maybe this is for a season or maybe it's all of life, but I will tell you that it is very hard to love a prodigal. They walk away from your faith and they lose your love. And they know that. But let me encourage you to love even the prodigal. Love them no matter what. There's a little letter written by Jamie Smith, uh, written to a parent whose child was baptized. And he's from a tradition where they baptize infants, an Anglican or something. So he's writing this uh, parent this letter, talking about little baby Liam. And here's what he says in the letter. This is so powerful. He says, finally, I don't want mean to rain on the, your, the parade of your joy. I do feel compelled to share the bad news too. Liam might break your heart. Actually, Liam is going to break your heart. Somehow, somewhere, maybe more than once, to become a parent is to promise you'll love prodigals. Indeed, some days parenting is exactly how God is going to teach you to love your enemies. Because there will be days when a 17-year-old Liam is going to see you as the enemy. And all of a sudden, you'll realize that the Sermon on the Mount is not about war and foreign policy, nor is it just pie in the sky. Instead, you'll hear those words anew and realize that the command to love your enemies, or in the command to love your enemies, Jesus is calling you to follow him as a parent. And sometimes even that task will look cruciform. It will require absorbing all Liam's misplaced animosity, all his confused attempts to figure out who and whose he is. At those moments, Jesus' call to lay down your life and take up the cross will have a mundane tangibility you could have never imagined. Some days, loving Liam is going to require you turn the other cheek and absorb that heartbreak like a slap across the face. And it's then that you'll most want to remember the promises of a faithful father that trickled down his little forehead years ago. He's saying, what if, he, what if the child does to depart, love him, and you love him, and you love her, and you be ready to receive him or her, just like the prodigal father. Show them the love. And then finally, I'm done here. Um, four points. First one was, what do you do? Tell them the story. Second of all, Pass down the wisdom. Thirdly, don't make, make sure you're going to give them a correction. And then finally, show them the love. Let me give you one more thing. This is for you. Give yourself grace. This morning, after the first service, somebody came up to me and says, Brent, I feel like I failed at this. And it's kind of too late. And I think 
what I would say to you and what I said to him is it is never too late. All of us are in process. All of us live in a broken world. All of us mess up all the time. It is never too late. There is always grace. There's always grace. There's only one perfect father, your heavenly father. There's, there was only one perfect son, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And the father sent the son to redeem you and to help you and to enable you to live the life that he's called you to live. So give yourself grace. We are all in process. We are all a mess doing this thing together. Uh, so would you stand? I want to pray for all of us as we do this parenting thing. Um, if you don't have kids, uh, you can pray for other parents in the room. If you have adult kids uh, or little kids, we're all in different situations. But, so I want to pray for all of us. So pray with me. Father, we thank you so much that you are the God of all grace. You are the God of all comfort. You are the God of mercy. And uh, Father, we thank you for this book of Proverbs, uh, this example that we have from uh, this wisdom telling us how we can train up our children. God, we pray that you would enable us. Give us wisdom. Give us grace. Give us patience. Give us everything we need. Give us courage and give us love. And Father, I pray that you would enable us, God, to do our part to impart the wisdom and to shape our the children that are in our care, whether they're young or old, to shape them in the story, to live lives of, of wisdom and, and of love for God in front of them. God, I pray that you would enable us. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit for this task, and we pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen.